This morning's reading is taken from Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 11, and it's on page 749 of the Church Bibles. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known amongst the nations and their offspring amongst the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and arrayed me in the robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the young plant come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the Sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Wow, what a passage. <laughs> what a passage of scripture that is. And unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to unpack it all for you this morning. But I'm going to give some of it a try. Do go back and read that over the next few weeks and see what else God is saying to you through that particular passage. Um, we have been praying as a church uh, for excitement and for unity. I thought there might have been a spontaneous whoop at the excitement stage. We have been praying for excitement and for unity over this vision. Maybe there might be some more excitement as we go through, and I pray at the end that there will be unity amongst us. For months now, we have been having a look at what it means to have vision for this church, a God-given vision. As Claire said, we've done lots of consulting with the whole church. I hope you've had a chance, you feel, to contribute to what it is that God wants us to be and where he wants us to go. Uh, we've done um, some surveys, so if you contributed to the online survey, over 80 of you did that. Thank you very much. We'll be working through a lot of your suggestions over the coming months. The paper surveys, over 90 people contributed via the paper surveys. The youth have done workshops. The kids have done workshops. The VLT have done workshops. The staff team have been interviewed. 
and it's all been facilitated by this man in the front here, Stuart. Stuart, just take stand up for a second. We're in a very fortunate position as a church to have Stuart on board. Stuart uh, runs a brand consultancy, so there are other brand consultancy agencies, type sorts of things out there, creative people that you could employ. But if you want to employ the best that we've got, then employ Stuart. Um, he'd be happy to speak to you after the service, I'm sure. Um, one of the things, let's see if we can get up the slides. Okay. I am going to save that for another day. But one of the things that came out of the surveys that we did was we wanted to work out what our values were. So after Easter, where's that gone? Yeah? Is it still there? If I turn my back on it, does it go? <laughs> it's behind you. Good. The four values that we came out that we'll be unpacking after Easter are that we are reliant, that we are community, we are serving, and we are relevant. So after Easter, we'll come up and we'll discuss and we'll preach on those values. And those are the values that are going to be driving the church forward and the behaviours that inform those values are going to be driving us forward. But today, it's vision. It's Vision Sunday. A vision is a picture of the future that produces passion inspires and motivates. That's what vision is. For Henry Ford, it was the picture of a future where a Model T Ford was parked on every drive of every butcher, baker, and candlestick maker. For Dr. Martin Luther King, it was a picture of a future where two children, one black, one white, would sit across each other on a seesaw, oblivious of each other's colour of skin. For Billy Graham, it was a picture of a future where thousands of wayward people would come forward and place their trust in Jesus Christ as the choir sang, Just As I Am. For us here at St. Saviour's, it is radically transforming lives in the love and power of Jesus. Radically transforming lives in the love and power of Jesus. And I can see the excitement dripping from your faces. We have a course, we have a direction, and we are free to move together unified with excitement into that future. Now, the English teachers amongst you will know that that is a present continuous tense because we felt if we said we were tr radically transformed, people would think we were rather conceited, but we realised that there is work to be done in each and every one of us, me included, perhaps me at the very top or bottom, depending on how you look at it. We're on an adventure and I invite you to join in with that adventure this morning. All of you people gathered here and all of you people outside the doors, I invite you to join us on this adventure. That's our vision. Radically transforming lives in the love and power of Jesus. Radically, that means complete there's energy there. It's a Jesus word. And it's time we reclaimed it for Jesus. Transforming is about changing lives, changing attitudes, changing beliefs, changing your core belief. The lives, it's us. It's all of us in here. All of those out there. It's all of our lives. The whole of our life. 
and it's in his love and his power. It's by him, it's through him, and it's with him that we'll do it. Shall we say that together? Radically transforming lives in the love and power of Jesus. Once more, radically transforming lives in the love and power of Jesus. Third time, radically transforming lives in the love and power of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yes, I will make a Pentecostal church out of you yet. (laughs) Amen. Amen, Lord. Thank you for that vision, Lord. It's a big vision and one we will unpack over the next few years. What does it look like? What are we going to do here at St. Saviour's to make that a reality? What are you, the church gathered here at St. Saviour's, going to do to make that vision a reality? What's your part to play in the adventure we're on? The adventure and the transformation starts with you. And it starts with my clicker. Can you move it on to the next slide? And one more. You can leave it there for a moment, thanks. I remember a story from a few years ago. An 82-year-old woman appeared on this morning. She'd just got on a facelift, breast implants, Botox injections, lip resculpting, and a chemical pill. I'm not even sure what some of that is. But it required seven hours of surgery and about £25,000. When she was asked why in the world she would do this, she replied, there was no point in waiting until she got any older. <laughs> yes, those of you who were listening heard me say it was an 82-year-old woman. Somewhere on this planet, this very morning, according to geneticists, is a child who will still be alive to about 150 years old. That sounds so incredible until you consider how our lifespan has increased over the years. At the beginning of the 20th century, the average lifespan in the UK was around about 50. Many women died in childbirth. Many more people died of disease. If you lived to be 60 or 70, you were pretty old. My dad died in 1984 following his third heart attack, nearly 50. Had he been around now, the doctor would have insisted that my mum probably quit making his breakfast bacon and eggs in lard. They would have undoubtedly performed heart bypass surgery and he'd have lived a lot longer. At the beginning of the 21st century, the average lifespan in the UK is approaching 80 years. The retirement age is being pushed up and there are people in their 80s running marathons. What could you do if you lived to be 150? Well, you could take more holidays, I suppose. You could take a gap 10 years even, couldn't you? You could spend more time at the office. No, I don't think that would get anyone's excitement. You could plant a bigger garden. You could maybe even plant some trees and see them grow into trees. You could get another degree or a PhD. As amazing as all that is, I'm not sure that lifespan It's all that important. I'm not sure we should be concerned about the length of our years. It seems to me that we ought to be more concerned about the way that we live in the years that we have because we just don't know how many we've got left. The best statistic I can give you this morning is that one out of one of us in this room will die. 
Now there's a vision of the future you'd probably rather I hadn't shared with you. This is a new season for St. Saviour's. We want to honour what has passed, but we are looking to the future. Whether we live to be 50 like my dad or 150, our goal ought to remain the same as it was in the days of Isaiah, to spend time loving God and allowing him to radically transform our lives in his love and in his power. Let's see if this is working. Oh, there we go. Are you just spending more time on earth or are you spending more time loving God? Are you spending more time on earth or are you spending more time loving your neighbor? Isaiah speaks about loving God like a bride delights in her husband. What if we spent more of our time loving God like that? Will there ever be enough years in our life to love God like that? Will we ever take the time to love God and be loved by God like that? What is it that you want to spend your time here on earth doing? My dad didn't live for Jesus as far as I know. I have just about seven years left until I get to the age that he left this earth. I'm in my 40s. I feel like I'm a grown man, like I'm an adult, although my kids would probably disagree with me. And I did check with my mum that it was okay to share some stuff about my family. My mum is here. Mum, give everyone a wave. Uh, so when we moved here, my mum moved to Feltham and she became a member of this church because I just knew I could grow this church numerically and that's the first fruit. <laughs> You're more than a statistic though, mum. I did check with her that it was okay if I shared a bit about my family. I've got three brothers. Uh, my middle brother, uh, Del, his name is, uh, he was, um, if you can think of the archetypal lost sheep, yeah, he'd be one of those. Um, and I remember him ringing me about 10 years ago. Uh, he's, he's left this country because several agencies are chasing him. And he rang me about 10 years ago, and he was in his 40s, 43, I think I seem to remember. And he said, you know what, Ron? I feel like I'm growing up. And I said, that's good, isn't it? Because you are 43. <laughs> My other brother, Tell, He's the youngest of my oldest brothers. He has been living life like a hedonist because he's been thinking that by the time he gets to 50, he's also going to be dead like my dad. So he's been choosing a certain path in his life because he didn't know how many years were left before him. So I have three brothers, Del, Tell, and Mel. <laughs> I'm joking, it's Steve, but I blame my mum for that. Do you know what? I cannot wait anymore. I cannot wait anymore. When I went to school, I was interested in getting good grades. As the years went by, I became preoccupied with work and achieving and getting stuff until God stopped me in my tracks. And I took stock of my life, age 30. I'm 43 and I cannot wait anymore. I want to be the me I was created to be. I want to be the me 
I was created to be. How about you? How about you? I want to go where God is calling me, do the things he is calling me to do, to be the me he is calling me to be. How about you? Ironically, if my primary focus is on being a better me without it being tied to a grander and nobler vision like that, I will never flourish in the way that God intended me to flourish. And boy, oh boy, does the world and somebody badly need wise and flourishing human beings, human beings who are called to bring God's wisdom and his glory to the world. The truth is, those who flourish always bring blessing to others. You were made, you were blessed to be a blessing. The passage says today is the year of God's favour. This year is the year of God's favour. The year of the Lord's blessing. It meant a general amnesty when they would obtain, the people, the Hebrews would obtain a great blessing from God and from people. Wouldn't that be amazing if St. Saviour's was such a blessing to its community that it was so set about radically transforming lives in the love and power of Jesus that we received blessing and favour from our community. That, I believe, is what God wants and expects from us. God made you to flourish, to receive life from outside of yourself, his life, his spirit, creating vitality within yourself and producing blessing beyond yourself. It's God's plan for your life, not measured by achievements, income, possessions, or attractiveness. It means becoming the person God created you to be. When he saw you, when he created you, he had a picture in mind of what you would be, of who you would become how you would be transformed. We want to be a church full of flourishing people, people becoming who they were created to be. When you flourish, you become more of the unique you God created you to be. Your uniqueness is God-designed. You don't change what you like. He won't disregard the raw material. He wants to transform you not simply exchange you. If you're a bookish, contemplative type, waiting for God to change you into the kind of person who wears lampshades on your head at parties, well, good luck with that. Maybe you're a raging extrovert, tired of putting your foot in your mouth all the time. Don't you wish you could become more like those of us who are calm, considered, wise, and restrained? It's never going to happen. Too bad, because we all wish it could. I accept myself as God's gift to me and accept that becoming the person that God created me to be is his task that is set before me. It begins with me. I need to be the change that I want to see. The reading 
from Isaiah begins with a description of the anointed one who is to come and what his mission would be. Not only does it state the mission of Christ, but it also clearly states the mission of the church. When Jesus was 30 years old, he walked into a small synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. He was invited to read from the scrolls. He found the passage before us and proclaimed his first message from it. And if he was in Sunbury right now, he would walk in and do exactly the same. When, uh, when I was working out whether, to, whether I was being called to this church, our family, before we came to one of the services, we said, okay, God, we need you to show us. We would like you to show us that you're calling us to St. Saviourism. And for me, I just wanted to know that God was here. And as I was worshipping that time with you guys, I saw Jesus walk through the very centre of this church and the Spirit of God hovering above the building. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Woo. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, he says. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus was the anointed word. He was literally dripping in God's spirit. You won't find that in the Bible anywhere. It's my translation. In Acts 10, it says, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed, for God was with him. Jesus was ready for spiritual ministry, to be on mission with God. He stood up and announced the anointing that he had, that God had given him, what his ministry would be because of the anointing of the Spirit of God that was on him. If Jesus needed it, how much more do we need the anointing, the filling of God's Holy Spirit? If he did not attempt to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, opening up the prison to the bound, if he would not preach or comfort or communicate joy until he had been filled by God's Spirit, how absurd is it for us to attempt something similar without being filled by God's Spirit? With great boldness and with much humility, I claim that I have been anointed to preach to you that Jesus has the power to set you free in every area of your life. I have been anointed to proclaim to you the good news that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus delivers, and Jesus transforms. The same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, anointing and power that was upon Jesus to preach deliverance to the captives is upon me, is upon us, is upon you. In turn, to tell others the good news that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus delivers, and Jesus transforms. 
What a marvellous forecast we find here of the mission of Christ through his church to the world in the present age. A 2,000-year-old message that is just so amazing today. So incredible. She is sent to take up and pass on this blessed ministry. The church. You guys. Us. Jesus has come and expects to bring transformation in every area of our lives. The passage reveals the true needs of mankind. What you and I need is transformation of the highest order. Individually, corporately, our purpose, our vision, our values, our mission, our behavior, our relationships, our time, our finances, our worship, our devotion, our service, our outreach, our politics, our national life, our attitudes towards our friends, our neighbors, our enemies. Jesus wants to have an impact on all our wishes and on all our desires, our deepest needs, our fondest dreams. Jesus has come and expects us to put away everything that stands in the way of faithful devotion to him. He doesn't desire to be one of many attractions of our heart, but the only attraction. It doesn't matter how long we live. Living for Jesus is our goal. That's our purpose as a church. It's the reason why we exist, is to surrender our lives to Jesus and to share him with others. You may feel like your life is ugly and insignificant right now, but some things that appear ugly just need the right climate to grow, to be transformed. There's a species of plant called the magui. It grows for years with a great coarse leaves, as thick as two hands put together, three inches thick and very long, and it puts out sharp thorns, and it's just as but ugly as you can possibly get. The longer it's alive and the more it grows, it just gets uglier all the time. And then suddenly, in just a couple of days, it shoots up and a great shaft, tall and thick, begins to grow. Its decks spreading out of thousands of flowers and it becomes a beautiful plant. The possibility of all that fragrant beauty was always contained in the ugliness. Just as the fragrant beauty of your life is sometimes hidden underneath the rough exterior, smothered by daily schedules and monotonous grind. As I have said, God will give you beauty for ashes. Sometimes painful experiences cause beauty to come forth. God knew you would be burnt by life's experiences. But he also knew he could replace that burnt out mess with something beautiful. And yes, your pastor did just call you ugly. The Bible says that Jesus will give us beauty for ashes. He is going to pick you up out of the pile of life and make something beautiful out of you. He will radically transform you. The journey begins with your spirit. 
the anointing, the filling of God's spirit. Be inspired. Inspired comes from the word inspirito. It means to have the spirit within you. Be inspired to change and to be the change that you want to see. Jesus was inspired, filled by God's spirit to perform that which he had been called to be and do. When your spirit flourishes, you become alive. You'll enjoy the adventure you're on. You'll become the person you were created to be. You'll have confidence that whatever life throws at you will not overthrow you. When the day starts, it begins with expectancy. You'll begin to receive each moment as a God-filled gift. You'll realize that you're never too old to get involved in the adventure. I love the phrase, if you're not dead, you're not done. I can see some of you nodding off, but I don't think any of you are dead. So if you're not dead, you're not done. There's work to be done. Mozart composed brilliant music at the age of five. Moses was 90 when he got the call on his life. My friend's dad hit 70 a few years ago, and he started walking three miles a day. Five years later, they have absolutely no idea where to find him. (laughs) As God transforms you, he wants to use you in transforming others. He wants to use you in his plan for this church. What more could you want than to become the person God created you to be and grab a share in this real life adventure that we're on? The great secret of the Bible, your longing to become all you were meant to be is a tiny echo of God's longing to begin to transform the lives of those in Sunbury and in your networks and in essence, the whole of the world. When your life is devoted to you, it is but a small grain of wheat. When your life's purpose is given to God, it is as if that grain is planted in rich, fertile soil and grows a whole field of harvest. You become part of a much bigger project. Don't you want to be part of something bigger? I wonder sometimes if I'm actually playing ball. I don't want to play ball. I want to play. I can only help but think of the the round thing as a ball. But I know you guys don't really accept that as a ball. It's kind of more cone, spherical kind of shape, isn't it? I want to play with God. I want to play with you, Lord. Sounds like such fun. Sounds like an adventure. Sounds like something I could give my life for. Am I playing my part? Am I playing my part? If not, I invite you to tell me. Are you playing your part? Tell me if you're not. Sometimes when I'm bold and courageous, I'll tell you. Are you, are you giving your life for something that is worth it? Are you saying, I think I could give my life to this? 
I think I was born for this. I want to be the me I was created to be. Are you thinking that? Are you thinking that? We still don't, we haven't quite, I've been here seven months. We haven't quite grasped the kind of toing and froing and the kind of, you know, the fact that I'm not just stood up there, I'm part of you. Yeah, I belong here, I belong with you, you belong with me. I know that doesn't feel like quite a good trade-off. Do you want to give your life to this? Are you ready? Are you ready to share in this adventure that we're on? Even those guys that perhaps are visiting today, you're really welcome with us. Maybe, thank you, John. Bless you. Do you want to be part of this adventure? Are you going to join me? It's freaking out, isn't it? But I haven't got a handheld mic, Helen, so you don't have to worry. Okay? If, if I want you to speak, we'd have to get really close. We'd have to speak into there. Hi. Hello. Are you ready to share in this? Are you ready, Lois? Are you ready to give your life to this? To Jesus? Because he's worth it. Philip, are you ready? Hi, is you ready? Right. <laughs> we have much better communication at home, I promise you. <laughs> are you ready for a share in this adventure? Are you ready to let God radically transform your life in his love, in his power? Are you ready to take that out there? Will you take it with you? Man, I love this place. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to miss the chance to play with God, to get involved in this adventure. I want to love my wife and my kids and my friends. I want to do the work that God has made me to do. I want to love God and love the people of Sunbury, starting with you. I want to do my part in helping you flourish and helping this community to flourish. The me I was created to be ultimately is measured by my capacity to love. And I can do everything in his power and in his love, which is infinite. Enough for me and enough for you. The time to love is now. When we enter into love, we enter into the mystery of eternity. Nothing offered in love is ever lost. This mortal life, be it 20, 50, or 150 years, is not the whole story. The life this is, is to be like a life to the next, a kind of school, a kind of preparation to be the me I was created to be. That person is going off into eternity with the man Jesus. Hallelujah. What matters most is not who you were, who you think you should be, but who you let God make you be. It's who you become. 
What matters most is not what type of church we were, but what type of church God is transforming us into. What type of church are we becoming? That's why our God-given vision is radically transforming lives in the love and power of Jesus. The Spirit and the Bride both say, come. It's the best invitation in the Bible. Come. Come and join me on this real-life adventure. Are you with me? You know what's coming. Are you with me? Church. It's the saviors. Are you with me? Let's read this to you. For this reason, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen, let's stand together. The band would like to come up. Do you want that radical transformation in your life? You know, God created, yes. Yes, sister. Yeah, God created you good. When he saw you, he said you were very good. And then, of course, we decided to rebel. All those of you who are parents will know what that's like to have a rebellious child who wants to go off and do their own thing. And then he sent his son to bring us back into relationship with him, to give us eternal life. By his power, we can be filled with his spirit this morning. Do you believe in a good father, the God who I'm proclaiming this morning? Do you believe and trust in him? Do you believe that he sent his son for you to bring you home, to give you life, to transform you? If you know him, you might like to, as the band sing, as we join with them in worship, you might want to praise his name and thank him for all the good things in your life, that he has been a blessing to you. you don't know him the prayer team over there would love to pray with you that you might know this God the God that I am proclaiming this morning 
God who wants to transform you from the inside out. Let's worship him together.